Welcome to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Fivoli, Staff Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. In today's episode, we will again be speaking to a CIA member that is doing what could be considered a non-traditional role for an actuary. Our guest today is Naomi Bazak, an FCIA who also serves as Vice President, Regulatory and Public Affairs at Manulife. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks. Nice to be here. So to start off, maybe tell us about your actuarial career leading up to the role that you're in right now. I've been working for Canadian life insurance companies for about a quarter century at this point, and my career as an actuary started fairly traditionally. I've got a BSc honors in actuarial science from University of Manitoba, and I joined an actuarial development program straight out of university at a life insurer in Winnipeg, where I grew up. It was a typical rotational program, and my first roles were really traditional. Like Early examples were individual disability pricing and group benefit pricing roles. I'd say even my traditional roles had non-traditional elements, which I personally embrace. For example, one of my first projects in individual disability pricing was to represent the pricing team in meetings with legal and marketing and literally drafting the contract for a new product to be launched. Having three of us work collaboratively to do that was a very deliberate effort to ensure the contract would be legally sound, it would be readable and understandable by clients, but would also still properly represent what the product was priced to include or cover. That was in addition to more typical pricing activity that I would do in experience studies and pricing of benefits directly. But the project really demonstrated the value of clear communication in all aspects of actuarial work to me, as well as driving a career-long passion to work with both words and numbers. And so I've got experience in both business units and corporate or what I call pseudo-corporate roles, having spent time in compliance, reinsurance, and now in regulatory and public affairs. I've always been located in Canada, but I've worked on both Canadian and U.S. lines of business previously. And I've worked in Canadian, U.S. and Bermuda operations within my roles. And actually, in my current role, I get the opportunity to look at global operations. So it was actually my reinsurance experience that led me to my current role. When I was working in reinsurance on life insurance business that was seated to Bermuda. Bermuda was in the middle of seeking solvency to equivalency, and it was mainly being driven by the needs of PNC insurers in Bermuda. So because of that, the life insurance industry was kind of being pulled along and not fully considered as the Bermuda regulator was developing and adapting their regime. And I was really seeing firsthand how much of a difference well-thought-out regulation could make. So when I saw a role come up internally in regulatory and public affairs, it really tweaked my interest. And the predecessor in the role was an accountant, but they weren't set on a specific background in hiring for a replacement. So that's sort of how I landed in a non-traditional place. Let's talk a little bit more about your current role and maybe just uh, give us an indication of what some of your current responsibilities are and the things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. In my role, I drive collaboration with internal and external stakeholders to identify and champion industry, regulatory, government issues that can be of critical importance to Manulife. So those issues can be jurisdiction-specific. They can be local matters. They can be global. They can cover Manulife as an insurer, Manulife as a bank, Manulife as a large employer or corporate citizen, etc. Like it's really all different aspects, which again, fascinating to do because you look at things from different perspectives. Part of my responsibilities include managing Manulife's OSFI relationship as the primary contact for Manulife's lead supervisor at OSFI. So again, really get to do a lot of interesting work, work with a lot of cross-disciplinary people in the company. So you know, I'm working with peers from all sorts of areas in the company and with all sorts of experience, you know, actuaries, accountants, lawyers, risk professionals, compliance and audit teams. I engage with HR, IT, finance, you know, the BUs, them, the business units themselves, et cetera. So I get to work with people with really broad skill sets, which I find 
a great way to learn. And then well beyond some of the typical actuary work or, or perhaps even more non-traditional than some of that regulatory element is I have responsibility for team members who do media monitoring, research support, archival work in the company, and who even curate the artworks for Manulife. So obviously that's all well outside my education and actuarial expertise, but I've very much found that that you build your experiences kind of build on one another. And I, I just get a lot of pleasure working with such a diverse team and learning from them. Okay. It sounds like you have some very different audiences you're talking to. I think the message that you deliver to regulator would be quite different from one that you might uh, have for the general public. So maybe could you talk about some of the biggest challenges you face in delivering these messages to these different outside audiences? Certainly, you really nailed it. Yes, actuarial and insurance concepts can be complicated, and they're often viewed as dry or boring. So I think one of the, the first issues is they're those same messages are often critical both to non-actuarial or non-traditional audiences, as well as to more traditional audiences. And so the first issue you have to overcome is just getting people's attention or getting their willingness to listen in the first place to something they might have that sense of. And sometimes that means ensuring you start off clearly and in a really non-intimidating manner so that you have the opportunity to present the messages you need to present or so you have a willing audience that will listen in the first place. I think the second challenge is what you referred to as the, the different audiences, the, the different stakeholders to whom we're always messaging. You have to adapt your message to each type of stakeholder. You can't force the same message through all channels because otherwise you're going to have almost none of it land or have none of it actually understood. So it may seem like the easy solution to force it through one way, but in the end, it actually makes things worse. So you can't message to technical experts at a regulatory body, even in the same way you might message to senior officials in the same agency, or the same way you would message to a client to understand a product. So you really have to pay attention to who the audience is and bring the message to the audience where they are. So do they need a lot of background? Do they need you to cut through and have as little jargon as possible? Or do they prefer you to use sort of jargon shorthand because they already know that stuff? So you really have to pay attention to the audience. And as well, you have to think about what they care about, sort of why do they even want to hear from you? Because again, if you come to people where they're at, they're much more likely to listen. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, as we mentioned off the top, this is a role which sounds very traditionally non-actuarial. So maybe can you tell us how did some of your actuarial skills help you as you moved into this role? For me, being an actuary has always been about problem solving and recognizing that most problems don't have a single right answer. It's really a series of options and solutions and about optimization. I, I often tease that life in general is sort of one giant optimization game. And so for me, it's always meant that all of my education and exams have really just taught me an approach to information and to ways of assessing risk that I, I, I think you should embed in everything you do. It's not about the specifics of numerics or insurance or anything else. It's an approach approach to how you do things. And so it's it, you know lots of things go into how you approach a problem from asking the right questions to gathering enough information to dealing with time constraints and data constraints. All of that's true no matter what your problem is, whether it's traditionally actuarial or completely outside that realm. Like I probably even take that approach to problem solving in my day-to-day -day life, probably to the annoyance of, you know, my husband and my sons. It's a way of thinking. And you probably could even argue, you know, am I an actuary because I like that way of thinking? Or do I like that way of thinking because I've been trained that way as an actuary? And I don't know which is the case. But beyond that, I would also say that many of the regulatory issues that need to be addressed in my current role have huge actuarial components. So understanding the actual 
actuarial concepts or understanding the ways in which actuarial teams contribute to work within the company, understanding insurance business units, all of that can be hugely helpful. Probably one of the easiest examples to point to that so many people are touching nowadays is just IFRS 17 and how to build out the policies for it, how to implement it appropriately. But there's plenty of others from capital standards like international capital standards, you know, you're looking at systemic risk in organizations. You know, there's lots of things that are going on in our industry that have a huge underpinning in the work that actuaries are doing. So the fact that I can understand that and then help translate that for the different audience, the fact that I'm an actuary who likes words as much as I like numbers so that I'm willing to put that time in to pay attention to the communication, I think is hugely, hugely valuable. And I guarantee you that when I was initially being hired for the role where they may have sort of been thinking of it from a perspective of, yeah, it doesn't matter if the person's not this particular background or is that particular background. I suspect if if asked today, my manager would probably suggest the fact that I'm an actuary is a huge asset in this role. Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, maybe let's wrap up by uh, asking you, what advice would you have for somebody who's an actuary and would like to do something non-traditional? What, what suggestions would you have for them? Firstly, don't hesitate. You know, don't worry about the fact that, you know, maybe it's not a good choice. Totally think people should do it. But think about what you enjoy. Think about how broadly you can apply your experience and skills as they're probably way more transferable than you assume at first glance. When you really take the time to think about it, you'll realize that you're not stepping into something unprepared. You're just stepping into it prepared differently. Look for areas where you think you can add value or make a difference, because that really, I think, drives people's passion or helps you find something that you can have passion about in on a day-to-day basis. And finally, don't assume taking a non-traditional role means never again taking a traditional one, because that was always that I have to admit, it was something I was worried about at first. You know, if I took a role like this, would it lead me outside the actuarial realm that I'd never be allowed back in, so to speak? And I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, Again, as long as you keep attention into the traditional world as well. All right. That's good advice. Uh, Thank you for that. And, And thank you for speaking to us today. Appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. My pleasure. We now have over 100 episodes in our podcast series, so we certainly encourage you to subscribe, and you can do so through whatever platform you use to get your podcast content. If you like today's episode, we'd ask you to leave us a five-star rating or a comment. We always want to hear from you as well, so please send any suggestions or episode ideas to podcasts at cia-ica.ca. And as well, we're always looking for content for our Seeing Beyond Risk blog, so if you have some ideas you'd like to share, you can contact us at seeingbeyondrisk at cia-ica.ca. Until next time, I'm Chris Fivoli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.